Hello and welcome to season two of How to Win Arguments with Numbers. We look at how statistics can inform our understanding of the human world. Today we talk to Dr. Eric Gaynor Larson from the University of Kent about opinion polling. Where do polls get it wrong and where do they get it right? And how can we be better consumers of public opinion? Okay, so thanks for coming on the podcast, Eric. So if we could begin by just asking the question, what is polling? So we talk a lot about polls and uh, a lot of people have different interpretations of polls, but I think it's seldom that we actually think about what is the methodology behind polling and, and how does the process actually work. Yes, perfect. And uh, thanks for having me on, Jack. I much appreciate it. So when we talk about polling, uh, we generally talk about opinion polls. And uh, what we talk about is basically a survey designed to represent the opinions of a population. So what do we mean by that? We mean that we can't go out and ask everybody about their opinions all the time. But what we can do is that we can ask a representative sample of a population. So we can ask some people, and by asking some people, we can make conclusions about a lot of people. That's basically the basics of what an opinion poll is doing. Um, you can compare it to a blood test, basically. So luckily, we don't have to test all blood in the body before we can draw conclusions about the blood in, in your body, for example. And in the same way, we, by asking a representative sample of a population, we can make conclusions about what the population thinks about an issue. So that, that is awesome, and that is a great feature of opinion polls. But uh, that also comes at we, – we make certain assumptions when we do that. We, first of all, make the assumption that opinion polls are uh, representative of the population. So we have an idea that our sample, when we conduct a sample, that that sample is on all characteristics similar to the population. So we have an equal amount of men and women uh, compared to the population. We have an equal amount of, of young and, and elderly voters. Um, and so forth. And uh, if that's also where we can, can see some opinion polls go wrong, that if there are some systematic biases, and e even if there are no systematic biases, we are still having some sort of uncertainty. So the thing about opinion polls is that we will never ever be talking about 100% certainty. And I think that that's, and that's something we can talk about later, that uh, we will always have some margin of error when we talk about polls, that we can never ever say that, oh, this poll is showing that this specific outcome will most definitely happen. And I think that is something that uh, that is maybe sometimes lost in translation when we are unable to uh, disseminate or communicate the uncertainty we are working with in an opinion poll. Well, what are some what are some other problems with polling? What, what else can go wrong? Yes, so we are having issues with uh, the ways that people are responding to polls and whether they are responding at all. So we have uh, response biases, we have non-response biases. We know that the way that uh, questions often are asked will also affect uh, the answers we get. One of the issues that we had in, in the two, 2016 election was whether people would lie about voting for Trump or not, so whether they were, were actually telling the truth or not when they were being asked. The argument being that some people would like to vote for Trump, but that they would not be honest about that. So we have a lot of challenges related to whether, first of all, whether people are being asked, so whether we are good enough at making a poll representative, but then when we actually get a representative poll, whether people are actually telling what they want to vote or shedding light on what to what extent 
are we actually tapping into people's true preferences and attitudes and opinions and so forth? Mm. And I think, um, you know, from an outsider perspective, uh, I don't know if you agree, I think it's, it's often um, underappreciated just how important polling is to all of social science, you know, not just voting behavior, but all of social science. Totally, totally. Um, but I think that that maybe to, to take it more generally, I, I think, I mean, we live in a democracy and, and one of the key things is that it, it, it is important to know about people's opinions. And, and uh, the best way to know about that is to ask people in a systematic manner. And that is, of course, something that, that a lot of people do. We do that in the social sciences, uh, political sciences do it, psychologists do it. And we, a lot of my colleagues, they, they basically do nothing but conduct surveys and, and conduct opinion polls. And uh, we know that uh, it is one of the best ways to tap into what people are actually uh, thinking about certain issues. So for better or for worse, it is one of the best methods we, we, we got when we, uh, we, when we want to get to something in a systematic manner. We have alternatives to opinion polls when we want to understand what people are, are, are thinking about issues. We have uh, box pops, we have uh, betting markets that are also uh, trying to get into what, what does the public think about an issue. We had uh, betting markets in relation to the Brexit referendum, for example. And, and, uh, and we also know that uh, politicians, and in particular governments, care about public opinion as well. And, and uh, politicians, they look at opinion polls when they design policies. We know that uh, parties conduct their own opinion polls for internal use to test different political messages. And uh, there's also a brand new study out in, in the journal West European Politics showing that when governments are polling well, so when they're doing well in the polls, that they are more likely to call an election. So we know that governments are most likely looking at the opinion polls and, and, and looking, if we call an election now, will we be more likely to, to, to win? And conversely, also that uh, if they're doing bad in the polls, they're more likely to split up the government, but without calling a new election. So we know that opinion polls are quite important, not only for scientists, but also for politicians and, and, and the public. So to understand uh, contemporary politics, it's, it's, it's very difficult to make the case that we, we can understand that without looking at, at opinion polls. But I mean, the fact that uh, governments uh, could be more likely to call an election if they're doing well in the polls. I mean, obviously, we saw an example of that in the UK with Theresa May probably was one of the motivations, right, that they were so ahead of Labour. But but that could uh, tap into a fundamental misunderstanding of, of, of polling, right, because I think uh, there's a lot of evidence to show that outside of election periods, opinion poll, polls to do with voting behaviour aren't massively informative. Oh, they are actually to a large extent, okay. but, but you're, you're correct in the way that, that uh, we can't necessarily predict an election by looking at the opinion polls. We know that a lot of uh, things can happen during an election campaign as well. So I think that's, that's also some of – a government can only look at, at, at the polls and say that, what would people vote today? But uh, they can't call an election and say that, oh, tomorrow you need to go to the, to the polling station and, 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 and give your vote. So, of course, that uh, – we can only look at the opinion polls and, 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 and make certain assumptions and predictions. But, uh, but that being said, um, they, they tend to be somewhat correct in, in what they are predicting. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, a lot of people, if we, we think about recent polls um, that have seen as kind of failures, most notably Brexit, the 2017 UK election, and the 2016 US election, 
popular opinion uh, seems to be that, you know, polling is in crisis or is failing. But, uh, and you, you can talk about a bit about this, I guess, that isn't necessarily the kind of, uh, you know, the, the insider perspective. No, exactly. Exactly. I think that the popular take at the moment is that opinion polls are basically wrong. They are useless. Uh, we can't use them anymore because we had elections. We had, uh, as you say, the Brexit referendum in 2016. We also had the election in 2015. We had the election of Trump in 2016, where the, the, the main take was that the polls uh, are wrong. But uh, for the first of all, for the presidential election, as, as Professor Eriksson told you last week, uh, we also had the popular vote uh, that was actually quite spot on in, in the way that uh, Hillary Clinton would win that one. And uh, I guess we are good at looking at these specific examples, but, but as scientists, we also know that we should not just look at, at the cases that, uh, that uh, we shouldn't cherry pick our cases. And what we need to do is look at, at the data overall. And when we look at, at uh, the research that uh, TAP looks into this, uh, and they have they have a measure on mean absolute error. So basically, how how incorrect are opinion polls? And uh, when we look at that measure, we see a very strong correlation what between what the polls are showing and and the actual election results. So we see that that opinion polls are in general quite good at predicting elections. And uh, when we look at, at at these data over time, we don't see that opinion polls are becoming less good at predicting election outcomes. Um, so I think that what is going on is that there has, of course, been some some uh, cases where they have seen that the polls could do better. But we also have a negativity bias. So we tend to neglect information that uh, is not in line with uh, what we should ex expect. So so when opinion polls are doing fine, we tend to forget that and, and only look at, at, at the specific polls that are incorrect. It's, it's like uh, the referee in a soccer match where we only remember the decisions that were made that, that we don't agree with. But, uh, but all the good calls, we, 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 don't, we don't even notice those. So when opinion polls are doing a fine job, we tend to just not even recognize that or even uh, appreciate that. But when we look at the data, when we actually look at this in a systematic manner, we see that most polls are doing just fine. Uh, what might be the more interesting issue is how polls are being used and how they are being covered in the media, where we might see some broader issues. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about this a bit then, because obviously the media is really the middleman between the raw polling and the, the public, um, how the public receives those polls. Now, you have kind of specialist sites like 538 who are maybe a bit, you know, well, are a bit more clued up on how polling works and kind of um, how we can, we should be a bit more cautious around certain, you know, expecting certain outcomes. But when it comes to the media, obviously most media outlets have some kind of bias and obviously um, that's going to massively inform how they report. So what what's the kind of research then on, on what informs how the media Yes, yeah, so I think there are, there are two interesting elements to this. Um, first of all, we got uh, so we got two different bodies of literature on, on, on how the media communicate opinion polls. The one is uh, looking at individual polls. So how do media outlets select which polls to, to cover? And what we can see there is that the more extreme an opinion poll is, uh, the more likely it is uh, to be picked up by media outlets. Basically, meaning that if you have six opinion polls and five of them are showing 
that nothing has changed in politics from last week. And then you have a sixth poll showing something very extreme. Then journalists are much more likely to pay attention to the last poll coming out showing something extreme, well knowingly that this is not the case. And when I say well knowingly, I've talked to journalists about this issue that why is it that they pay so much attention? And I, I, I don't believe that journalists are, are stupid. Not all of them, at least. And and um, they know to a fair extent that, that yeah, this poll might not uh, be totally on, on to the point. It might not be what we will show in the follow-up polls, but it, it is so damn easy to, to, to write up an article about that. And uh, it's something that will give a lot of likes and shares and, and something that will get a lot of attention. So I've done some research on that together with my colleague, uh, Sultan Fasekas at the University of Oslo, where we have looked into this issue, where we had looked at, at uh, what types of, of news stories are being covered uh, and, and how are polls being disseminated in this coverage. But that, that's just one thing. The more interesting thing in terms of, of, uh, of the coverage is when polls are being aggregated. So that's, uh, that's what we saw in, in, in the 2016 election. It's not like people can say that, yeah, but this opinion poll showed this in the election. What we are looking at and what we're mostly talking about uh, when we look at, at the 2016 presidential election was with these forecasts that said that uh, Clinton has a 98% chance of, of winning uh, the presidency. And, and um, I think that that's the more problematic issue when we take a lot of different polls and add them up together and make a coverage saying that now there's this likelihood, this probability, this chance of, of winning. Uh, or seeing a certain outcome. I guess that, that the person that made the best prediction was Nate Silver at, at 538. He gave Donald Trump a, I think it was 28% chance of winning. And and when people see that, they, and there's research on that, that people are very bad or very not good at all at looking at these probabilities and, and assessing uh, a probability that this will actually happen. So what people do is that they overestimate the probability of a certain outcome when they see these numbers presented in a probabilistic manner. So when they see that, okay, uh, Hillary Clinton has a 75% chance of winning, they don't think about the likelihood that Trump might actually win. So when, when they see that, okay, Hillary Clinton didn't win, uh, the polls must be uh, incorrect, and of course, some some polls were of uh, were incorrect in in certain states. It's not about that, but we are very bad at at, at uh, assessing these probabilities and and making sense of them. So I think that 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 is one of uh, the key lessons that we have drawn from the 2016 election that we might have to to, uh, to think more carefully about how do we actually communicate these opinion polls and aggregate them and 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 make predictions because what is happening is that we are basically getting rid of some of the uncertainty. When we say that, when we when we add up all these opinion polls, even though a lot of the polls will be correct, if they are biased in some minor manner, they can all add up and, and end up giving Hillary Clinton a 98% chance of winning, which is, of course, which most likely was, was very false. You know, like you, you said, you said there, when someone has a 75% chance of winning, that means that they have a 25% chance of not winning. So if they don't win, it doesn't mean that the prediction was wrong. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I think I, I, I'm quite um, ambivalent in terms of, of, of that interpretation because you're, you're totally right that, yeah, it means that 
one out of four times we will see another outcome and that's that's important to keep in mind but it's also important to keep in mind that that it's also an easy excuse to to use if you're on eight silver at 538 to just say that yeah but we didn't save 100 so our models are, are of course uh, there's nothing wrong so so i i can see that argument but i can also see that we we might want to think about ways in which we can uh communicate opinion polls and also aggregated information from these opinion polls and 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 remember the uncertainty and uh, not use these large um, probabilities to, 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 to communicate a certain outcome. But I, I suppose my, my point is right that you know it, based on the information we had at the time it was regardless of the outcome it was still a sensible prediction to think that Hillary was going to win. Yeah, it's a very good point that uh, that if we look at these forecasts in isolation, then we can say, yeah, but Nate Silver only gave uh, Hillary Clinton 72%. But if you look at the other forecasts, you had uh, somebody in the 80s, uh, one forecast giving Hillary Clinton an 85% chance of winning. You had, uh, I think it was Huffington Post that gave uh, Clinton 98%. And if you look at the overall coverage, and, and I think a lot of people don't just look at one forecast, they look at, 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 at all of them, or at least a couple of them, and say that, okay, there's a systematic pattern here. And that was just that, and that will, of course, also affect the overall uh, reporting on the issue that you had a lot of stories about. Uh, so what will Clinton do whenever she, when, when she's uh, being uh, president and stuff like that? So it's, of course, also something that has spillover effects on, on other aspects of, of the political coverage and the election coverage, where it was basically um, assumed that she would be the next president. And uh, there are some discussions about whether that could affect the election as well. So whether the certainty that, uh, oh, Hillary Clinton is going to win, so we don't need to, to vote. And uh, there was also some discussions about whether uh, people were more likely to vote for a third candidate uh, in this election, in, in the 2016 election, because Clinton was uh, the most likely winner. Um, so so you can, it's a good point to say that, that yeah, um, people might not be good at looking at these individual forecasts, in isolation, they they look at multiple of them, and and there might also be an asymmetry in the way that we don't think about the probability of Hillary Clinton winning as the same as the reverse, being that she has this probability of losing. So it might be that if we had put more attention to the fact that Trump, in some forecasts, has a probability of 25% of winning, that people would perceive that information in a different way. Because if someone told you you had a 25% chance of winning the lottery, you know, winning the lottery, you'd be, you'd be that'd be amazing. <laughs> I like those odds, yeah. Um, so going going forward, then, what what are the lessons we can learn? You know, both the media can learn, but also as consumers of, of news, that we can learn about how to interpret polls and how to how to make the best of polls. Yeah, so I think. The first thing to keep in mind is that uh, polls are not perfect. I mean, some of the people that are, that are most critical towards polls are the people working with them and scientists, uh, etc. But uh, I think that the first thing to keep in mind is that we need to be critical towards polls. But by that, I mean that we should accept that they are a great tool, but they're not perfect. And um, they are the best method we know of compared to other methods. So it's way better than asking random people on the street about what they think about certain issues. 
it is better than than looking at betting markets and so forth. But what we need to have are discussions about how to not only conduct opinion polls in the future, but also how we can ensure that journalists cover polls in the best possible way, where they are aware about the uncertainties, um, the, prop- the potential problems and issues with these polls, and also some self-awareness about the impact that this coverage might have on the public. So one argument could be that these opinion polls can also be self-fulfilling prophecies, that they might even have an impact on on the elections in in one way or another. There's one argument being that they can have this bandwagon effect, that people are more likely to go with the popular candidate. But of course, that is not totally in line with what we saw in 2016. There we should have seen something else. So it also that's the other mechanism that it might also demobilize some voters if they see that, oh, it will not really make a difference whether I vote or not. Um, so, so I think that some of these debates are what we should have at the moment. And for the more general aspect of, of uh, what we will then see, I think that we will see that people will also discuss opinion polls uh, in relation to specific elections. We have the midterms coming up in the US and and I'm sure that there'll be a lot of discussions about the quality of opinion polls and and we'll have people out saying that opinion polls were either saved by the election or that they finally prove that there's no hope for opinion polls. But I think that I I couldn't care less about the individual outcomes and and how polls are doing in one specific election. So I think it's important to keep in mind that we want to look at overall patterns. We want to look at how polls are performing in general and, and not just evaluate and, and more generally, not only evaluate polls on whether or not they are correct. It, it is important to remember that opinion polls might be correct, but 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 for for wrong reasons. So we want to evaluate the opinion polls based on the methods that they are using. We want to ensure that they are conducted in a transparent manner, so we can actually evaluate and assess how good are they. So not only to look at at the the numbers and see how well they are doing, but also how are they conducted. And that's I think that's something that will be more interesting to follow in the future and see how how uh, we know that a lot of researchers are looking at uh, non-representative samples. So how can we use samples that are not representative of a population, but using statistical techniques to make it representative? So you had you had researchers looking at, in the 2012 election. You had uh, researchers using the Xbox gaming platform, uh, which is a very non-representative sample, uh, over, uh, represented by men, uh, young men in particular, and and they used that data and adjusted the data. So and, and used uh, techniques called multi-level regression and post-ratification to actually predict the election. So it shows that I think that's something of some of the interesting elements going on at the moment that researchers are using non-representative samples to, to try to, to, to uh, make polls better. And uh, we also, and that's I think that's another interesting element that we see more and more people use uh, social media data to, to try to make predictions about about the public. And I think that as more people from different social demographic and socioeconomic groups will begin to use social media, we see that uh, there are an endless ways endless ways of, of, of opportunities to to, to make uh, interesting predictions about what will happen and and tap into public opinion in very interesting ways that we might not even be able to using traditional survey techniques. So I think that's something of, of, of the more interesting things that we'll see in the future. So I, I when people say it's the uh, death of opinion polls, I think that's it's, it's the opposite. We have only seen the beginning now, and, and we are going to see a lot more interesting stuff going on in the future. Okay, well, thanks a lot. And that was really interesting. And thanks for coming on the podcast. My pleasure.
That was How to Win Arguments with Numbers, which is a production by the Q-Step Centre at the University of Kent. Thanks again to Dr. Eric Gaynor-Larson for coming on the podcast.